welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 21, which is titled Responsible Parties. The episode aired on May 13th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago, as, the, as time marches on? Absolutely nothing. But really, if we're going to say it, Mummy hits theaters nationwide and takes box office crown, which is worth it. And the music industry is upside inside out as Livin' La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin tops the music charts. Yeah, there was something about like a pope, the pope visiting a country that a pope has never visited before. And like, if it was worth it, we would have put it on the notes. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, What else was on that evening at 8 p.m. Friends with the episode The One with Joey's Big Break? At 8.30, Will and Grace with the episode Object of My Rejection. At 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode Visions of Daphne. And at 9.30 p.m., uh, Mad About You, um, a sitcom that I don't think we have talked about. I don't think it has made a, a Thursday night appearance, or if it did, it was very early on. Who doesn't love Helen um, Hunt? Yeah, so Mad About You is kind of a, a show that I have a weird soft spot for. It was It's one of my like earliest, that and Cheers, I think, are like two of my earliest kind of like sitcom memories of absorbing things through my parents um and it, it, i don't know it's just a really sweet show um about you know it's stars helen hunt and paul riser uh, in new york kind of as young first as young single people and then as young parents um and this was actually the fourth to the last episode so they are winding down here they are coming up on their series finale in just a couple of weeks they will be done by the end of this month um so this was i'm not sure if this is going to stay on thursday nights for the rest of its run i didn't look that far ahead i did we did of course note last week that veronica's closet was done um so something's got to fill that 9 30 slot for the rest of the season maybe it'll be mad about you who knows um but definitely worth a mention and definitely worth a watch too it's a show that like up until it had a revival on one of the like lesser known streaming services i can't even remember which one it was um that i heard zero things about good or bad i don't know if it was well received or not um but it's a show that um always kind of it's it's a hard show to describe it has some really it has a lot of heart to it and it's definitely one i would recommend people go check out if you've never watched it um as far as viewers go we had 27.5 million tuning in this week's episode is directed by christopher missiano doing his fourth out of 11 episodes previous ones of his from this season included point of origin and split second and this week's episode is written by Jack Orman, doing his 7th out of 28. Previous ones of his from this season were The Good Fight and Vanishing Act. And the beat marches on 7th No Genie Boulet episode of the season. Damn. That was that was Spectrum was yep. the... Uh, Spectrum was the, Originals. Yeah. A one-season wonder. Yeah. Love it. Our previously on this week is brought to us by Carter, and we open... With a familiar sight, we've seen this sight a few times before. Uh, Corday and Mark are playing racquetball out in the park by Buckingham Fountain, where we also frequently found Doug and Mark playing various sports. Um, they are discussing her odds for the trauma fellowship, and I think she gets like smacked in the head or something like that, or smacks the uh, green in the head with the uh, with the yeah, ball. Yeah, she, she, she says, tries she... to tries to serve the ball and hits Mark square in the back with it as he's trying to get set up and so and delivers the most british frustration word ever bollocks <laughs> it's such a good word i love it 
Uh, then we go over to Carol in her OB appointment, and she is complaining about putting on two pounds in one week, which is, you know, a normal amount to fluctuate sometimes, especially if you're hormonal. Two pounds is nothing. You're fine. Um, but she does not want to know the sex of the baby yet. And we are in with bangs, and Carol is calling Doug at the front desk, leaving a message. That seems like something you might want to do in the lounge, away from people. And says she faxed him something she needs him to sit with for a while, and then they can discuss it. And while they're doing this, there's a very interesting kind of cinematography bit with the camera slowly revolving around her as she's on the phone, just to make it a little more dynamic. And we actually yeah, so get she... a, a voice clip of uh, Doug here. We actually get mm -hmm. to hear his voice. Yep. But yeah, so it's, you know, she faxes him this impersonal letter and then calls him to follow up and says, hey, don't call me about this right away. Sit on it and then we'll talk. Yeah. Which I think... I'm... Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it, you know. I don't, know I don't like I... It... it. Yeah. I'm, you know, everybody complains about... Doug left her and Doug doesn't come back from the ki for the kids and all this stuff. And it's like, no, Carol faxed him to tell him during her first, like into well into her first trimester. And yeah. then says, you know, sit with it. Don't come. I do not like, like, no, just, just no. Is that like texting someone to break up with them? Yeah. Like, it's worse. That... It's almost worse. <laughs> Which we'll get into a little bit later on in the episode. The consequences of Carol's actions, but, uh, just, the groups yeah. are right on this one for once. Just Turns out a while is less than a day. Yeah. Oof. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But, uh, let's go over Carrie's working with a presumably drunk homeless man, uh, when Romano show shows up. And, of course, the drunk guy is just yammering on, uh, stammering on about something, and Romano's like... In just in perfect Rocket Romano uh, humanitarian compassion, and just says, get a job. Uh, and Anspa is coming back after 10 o'clock to make the decision for the fellowship, and she offers to pass Robert's pick, picks, she offers to pass Robert's picks along if he can't make it to, if he can't make it to the meeting to prevent further delays, because apparently this has been delayed quite a bit already, because... It's, it's Romano. He doesn't want anyone poaching his... Apparently, he owns these people, I guess, in his mind. So. Yikes. And cause, because he says, you would be smart not to raid my surgical staff. Oh, boy. And our homeless uh, guy here is actually uh, one we have seen before. Uh, we uh, saw this gentleman, the Duke, as he is affectionately known. Uh, we saw him uh, earlier this season, as a matter of fact, uh, in Masquerade, uh, hmm. and this is his last appearance, so don't get used to it. Darn. Um, My vote we, for Bob of the season. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll make sure to include him just for you, Lizzie. Uh, we go from there to uh, Carter and Chuni uh, talking about her trying to fix Carter up. Hmm. Ooh la la. We'll see where that goes. She's, uh, Carter, listen to Chuni. She probably knows... I'm sure Chuni and all of her friends know how to have a good time. Just listen to Chuni. Yep. Ask ask Mark for a reference if you need it. Uh, we go from or we find out that a little league umpire got beat up and is being brought in. We don't ever actually get to see that no. one though, which I would would really would have loved to have seen that one. I feel like that could have been a. Didn't we have one? 
early on where it was like a uh, a hockey referee or something that got mm-hmm. he had like a heart attack or something and the whole hockey team came in yep. i would have loved to have seen the kids come in with this guy after they beat him up that would have been just maybe perfect. it was the parents that beat him up well could have been you For know in call. my in my little league umpiring career there definitely was a few times where got a little close people cared way too much about a t- fucking t-ball game right it's it's basically the world series it's exactly the same yeah exactly it also makes me think of, um, which I know neither one of you have seen, but it makes me think of one of the RoboCop movies where uh, Detroit has completely fallen into chaos and lawlessness and uh, a guy is running around with a Little League team having them rob stores for him dressed as Little Leaguers. And it is hilarious because they're all foul-mouthed little bastard kids. <laughs> and they're like holding guns that are bigger than them. And it's just, I love those movies. They're so fun. Um but we go from there. Uh, Lucy's coming in uh, looking absolutely wrecked after her night shift, which uh, I have seen that look <laughs> being married to somebody <laughs> who uh, was on night shift for a solid two years. You learn to you get to know that look very, very well. Uh, there is a stuffed gorilla at the desk that Jerry brought in that starts playing the Macarena anytime sound is played around it. Like anytime anybody slams their hand on the counter or makes any sort of noise around this stuffed gorilla, it starts playing the Macarena. Uh, and it leads to a lovely chat amongst the folks at the desk about how dated that song is, which as of the time this episode aired was already a three-year-old reference, which is crazy to me that like how much slower pop culture would move back that like the, the Macarena, I feel like would have had its turn in the hot seat of pop culture nowadays in the space of like a couple of weeks. Nobody would still be talking about it three years later, I don't feel like. Well, but. and they all go like, oh, God, I, I danced to that at my, you know, whatever. And it's, Yeah, it's I think just... I think Lucy says they did it at her, her college graduation or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. So, and the, the stuffed gorilla will be making plenty of appearances this episode, so get used to it. And then we go over to one of the weirder subplots I think we've ever had on this show. Like, Mark... Th- Mark thinks that uh, maybe his shoulder... That's not about that. But uh, uh, him and Corday are talking about having bumped into Benton, which we don't get to see earlier. But then the quote-unquote FBI brings in a gunshot wound victim. And her name is Amber, but they can't give Mark any details as to what happened. None whatsoever. Yeah, this is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. this is, and and, and two, not always in a good way. Yeah, these guys are just acting obviously like, like your stereotypical, G-men. Yeah, G-men is what I, I I wasn't sure what that, that uh, reference means, so I didn't want to say it. Lizzie, it's like what? a government man, just just oh. a nameless, faceless yeah. suit, like a Men in Black. I didn't know that. It's a G-man. It's why G-man in Half Life is called G-man. That's, that's literally the only thing I know it from. So I was like, have these guys just played Half Life? Is that what's going on here? Uh, no, boy. G- G-Man, the game reference, comes from this reference, not the other way around. Ah. <laughs> Mindless oh, government Lizzie. drone. I play video games. <laughs> Sweet, innocent Lizzie. We have to get her out in the world more. You know, I have to... My Madden franchise. That's that's what's important to me right now. We yes. went from Lawnmower Simulator I was to Madden say. in like a week. I'm so proud. All right. this, um, this episode comes out on January 6th. We are recording it on December 21st. Mark your calendars, kids. Let's see if this reference is still solid by the time this episode comes out. See if I've beaten Halo Infinite by then because it's frustrating as fuck. What happens next, Lauren? Uh, I would do anything to not talk about this next part. Oh, I can yeah. do it. Uh, no, I'll, 
I'll, I'll do it. It's fine. You, you, cr you almost vomited watching it. I'll talk about it. Uh, a woman is complaining to Carter that she feels something in her ear, and he is examining it, and he says, oh, don't worry, I killed it with lidocaine, you know, it's not gonna be moving, I can get it out now. She's nope. like, what? You killed what? It's nope. a cockroach. Nope. And he then pulls it out of her ear, nope. and it scares him because it starts moving, so he drops, nope. he drops it on the ground and squishes it, and the effect on the floor is absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. I'm, I'm out. Just, and she mm. says she's going to sue her landlord because she's been trying to get him to treat this for forever. And of course, now that Carter stomped on the evidence, real great. And just, ugh, so bad. This whole this whole sequence is so bad. And it's gross and it's awful and it's terrible. Daniel, who is she? <laughs> this whole episode makes me wonder if like the props budget had like a, a surplus and they were like, yeah. you lose it. Yeah. Like, like they were like, we only got two episodes left in the season. Like we gotta, we gotta get this out the door while we still can. Cause there's a lot of stuff in this episode that is just like, oh. and this is the first one. Uh, the, this woman here who never gets a name, uh, and is helpfully credited by IMDB as lady with cockroach in her ear, uh, is played by actress Lucy Lee flippin, uh, a great name if I ever heard one uh, who appeared in stuff like A Perfect World, Rat Race and Earth Girls Are Easy uh, and we go from there back to the FBI air quotes telling Mark to limit exposure to Amber and, the, and all of the room requirements that they'll need uh, in order to treat her uh, so as they're trying to roll her into one of the trauma rooms uh, the drunk guy from earlier who is keeps repeating like the Semper Fi never die the, the Marines thing like he yeah. keeps repeating that over and over again he tips his gurney over as he I think he's handcuffed to it maybe or something like he he tips the whole gurney over he's like and, Sopper Strange yeah and it, it scares the the FBI agents and they pull their guns on him immediately and Mark is like guys this happens all the time you got to relax like this is <laughs> if you're going to do this every time some a loud sound happens like you got to relax uh, and they they even try to block any nurses from coming into the trauma room. But Mark's like, we're going to need nurses. So you're going to have to let us bring them in. Fucking chill. Yeah. This whole storyline is so strange. And like I was saying when we first talked about it, like, I don't know that I I don't know that it, it gets me there. You know, like, I don't know that when we, when the dust settles on this, I don't I, I'm hoping to have my mind changed. But like, I was actually not a huge fan of this. And then we go up to Benton and Romano. Uh Romano says, out of the bowels and into the seat of the soul, uh, one talking about the Cardiothoracic Fellowship. Um, and Romano, Romano, no homo, pats Benton's ass while they're chatting. And uh, why is he why is he fighting so hard for Benton to get this fellowship? Because that's... Like, because it's his boy. Like, he loves he loves Benton. He's just emotionally stunted and incapable of telling him so. But does he? Like we yeah. haven't seen anything during their time to really. Well, no, yeah, I am bond. speaking of that in in in, with the benefit of hindsight. That's true. yeah, I know, but like we we have not seen anything to warrant this level of bond or dedication from Romano. He said, "Your kid's an inconvenience. You got to reschedule around your kid." To me, this is one of those things where the narrative payoff does not necessarily pay off because we haven't. It doesn't feel earned. It's kind of like Doug being a piece of shit and moody mm -hmm. in season two like yeah. yeah okay he's supposed to be sad but why right it, it feels like an ending in search of a story like there's not yeah. they didn't like, they didn't really do the work to build it up in the front half yeah you're right here 
Here's a great example of all those episodes earlier on where we were like, if we cut this, what would we replace it with? Replace it with something that makes us actually believe why Romano is fighting for Benton so hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's, that's just, that's where I'm at with that. But uh, we go back over to Amber and they take her metal bra off and Corday starts working on the entry wound and they're going to give her painkillers or whatever because duh. And the G-man says, she needs to stay clear-headed. We have to, like, she she's a witness. We have to blah, 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 blah. She can't, she can't leak information. And the bullet popped her implant. Hey. But they okay. said it in the long term, it actually probably saved it saved further damage because you know that helped soak some of the Im- impact. Um, Carol then freaks out on the X-ray tech in the next room because he shot the X-ray while she was coming back in from trauma one, and she didn't have a lead apron on. So oh my god, like baby exposed to X-ray. Ah, um, Carrie sees this. This will matter. Um, Amber has no vital organ damage. FBI gang says they need to move her to a controlled facility. Um, they insist that all of her records come with them and they're snatching labs out of people's hands as soon as they bring them in for Mark. And Connie says, well, shit, we need the room because we have, um, some MVAs coming in. And, uh, they say that the Bureau will be in touch for the billing. And Mark's (laughs) like, well, we need, we need some form of, like, record keeping or whatever. And they're like, no, we'll be in touch. And then they just like go and set her in another room for recovery. And uh, Jerry, Shuni, and Carrie start gabbing about who Amber might be. Is she in witness protection? Is she, yeah, which, to which Carrie replies, a stripper? Real way to keep a low profile. And Jerry thinks she's a mobster's girlfriend. To which I believe it's Chuni says, or a politician's girlfriend. And somebody says, why not both? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, the whole story just doesn't make sense on any level. Like it doesn't and, need for me. This is one that doesn't need to make sense. It was just fun, I guess. and I was okay with just something fun and weird. I guess uh, we get our next trauma coming in. An MVA coming in from Berwyn. Chicago geography experts want to clue us in on what what and where Berwyn is. Um, I don't know where like like the township of Berwyn is specifically. I know Berwyn's a street up in. The north side of Chicago, but but I believe they're talking about there. the the, suburb. the um, suburb. Yeah, probably. I don't know exactly where it is. I think but... it's down by the green, down off one of the Green Line stops. Is it? I don't know. Uh, I know Vince was from there. I could ask him. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, we have multiple traumas coming in. Uh, there were four teenagers in this car together. Uh, three of which we will get to meet. The fourth, we uh, spoilers never will. Uh, but one of them, the first one we get here is uh, Shannon Mitchell, a 16-year-old. Uh, she can't move her foot as they're bringing her in, so we, they're thinking possible spinal injury. Um, we'll definitely follow up with more for sh- on Shannon here as we go along. Uh, she is played by actress Maggie Lawson, who appeared in stuff like the movie Gamer, uh, as well as Pleasantville, and a recurring role on the TV series Psych. Uh, and next, we get the uh, driver of the vehicle, another teenager, uh, they ra- we found out at this point too that they wrapped the car around a telephone pole. Uh, we will get more information and more insight on the driver uh, as we go along here. Did uh, we ever get his name? Because like I do. didn't ever. Okay, we do. I didn't it's, ever hear. It's later on in the in the episode when Mark goes to talk to him. Okay. Um, I believe it's Justin is his uh, character's okay. name. Um, 
but yeah, we we I, I like at this point I I couldn't get a name and I we didn't we don't even really get too clear of a look at him right physically at this point they kind of blow right past him because it's immediately overshadowed uh, by the next kid uh, one of the backseat passengers Travis Mitchell uh, the brother of Shannon uh, he is suffering from severe burns from the accident as he went back into the vehicle to extricate one of the other or no 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 it's the driver I think that went back into the vehicle to get him out. He's yeah. been in the backseat and then the, the gas tank exploded and he's real fucked up, which we will get into here. Um, Travis is played by actor Eric Christian Olsen, who appeared in stuff like the uh, ill-advised Dumb and Dumber sequel, Dumb and Dumberer, where he played Lloyd Christmas, uh, and uh, NCIS Los Angeles, where he played a recurring role there. All right. Uh, I guess if you need to blow your props budget at the end of the season... A burn victim, especially burn, to this degree. Burn victim will get you there, and they, oh boy, we will yeah. we will get into Travis's physical condition here uh, very shortly. Uh, and as I said, our fourth victim, Melissa, uh, Travis's girlfriend, uh, has not been accounted for. She was in the back seat as well. Uh, so we'll, we will keep going back to Melissa's condition or, or, or Melissa's um, whereabouts, I guess, for the whole episode. Uh, but we're never actually going to find or meet Melissa. So they kind of leave that one hanging. Um, not great. Not great, fam. Um, then we go to Andrea Brodoff, who is a 34-year-old female with AIDS, um, who's being brought in by airlift. She rammed a boat into a dock because of a bout of bad nausea. So she's being brought in um, with her son, Bruce. Um, she's a fishing pole stuck in her abdomen from the impact holy shit um daniel you had a couple notes on this i did um first of all just like again letting the props folks just run wild on this episode we're gonna have a lady impaled by a a fishing pole we're gonna have a third degree burn victim where it's just all this stuff and just it's it's wild um so our it's a very brief blink and you miss it moment, but our chopper EMT here who brings this woman in again straight out of the like why did they bother department? Uh, the chopper EMT here is the same one from Fear of Flying all the way back in season three, uh, one of the last episodes before Susan left. The one where uh, I thought Susan was gonna die. Yeah, that one, that one. Uh, and it turns out that uh, not only is it the same one from that episode, but she will also be making five more appearances through 2008. So this is this lady is a bona fide recurring character at this point. Uh, and I just I was shocked. I was really, really shocked. Um, if I didn't mention it back in season three, which I doubt I did, because I pretty sure we just assumed that was a one off character or a one off appearance. Um, she's played by actress Meg Tolkien, who appeared in stuff like U.S. Marshals and Poltergeist three. Um, and then our patient here, Andrea Brodoff, who we will um, see a little bit later in the episode. She is played by Moira Wally Beckett, uh, who is actually better known as a producer than an actress. She was a producer on Breaking Bad, as well as the TV series, TV series, plural, uh, and with an E and Flesh and Bone. Nice. Um, we go back to Shannon and we're checking out her, you know, all of her reflexes and stuff. Her Babinski reflex is positive, so she is still getting some, um, nerve communication from foot to spine, so that's good. Um, she was able to move her toe a very small bit, it looks like, and Mark and Lizzie are working on this trauma together. So again, they're just putting them together for absolutely everything. Hell yeah. Uh, and then... Mark gets called into uh, Travis's trauma for the burns with Carter and Lauren. Whose films are those? 
And uh, I like the verbiage that Lauren used in the notes I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm going to hell. <laughs> she said, this guy is crispy. I'm going to hell. Didn't we... To any of you who have loved ones who have suffered burns, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Didn't we... We, uh, we in, still love you, Lauren. In an early season episode, didn't we have them have, like... Didn't they make a, a point of pointing out or, or mentioning that, like, the official nomenclature was Crispy Critter for... I, yes, I believe so, but just... Yeah. doesn't make just, it any better, he but... Looks, his skin looks like cracklins. Yeah, it's really bad. It's uh, really bad. I just say, holy shit, Lauren. <laughs> you didn't have pork. You're fine. But still, I ate. I'm full. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, but yeah, again, 10 out of 10 A-plus prosthetics and makeup work. Horrifying. Um, they need to debride his wounds and, um, or just not, not his wounds, but his body. Just, just his him. entire, just yeah. him. His whole body is the wound at this point. Yeah, and Lucy needs to keep mo- keep moving the limbs to prevent uh, swelling. So, yeah, and uh, Mark pulls Lucy with him to find the parents. Because yep. this is Lucy's first real big burn trauma. Yep. So she has to get in. She has to find all the kids' parents. Yeah. So like to to illustrate the extent of the burns, like he, it's basically like he has like a small section of his face around his one of his eyes that is mostly clear, and then the rest of his body is some degree of scorched. Like yeah, I said, seventy five percent third degree burns. Yeah. Like, like which like. And I know it's not really super fresh in any of our minds, but like, was this worse than Raul? Like, no. in terms of visual, uh, no, Raul was definitely worse. Raul was worse. Yeah, Raul was definitely worse because his face was more. Yeah, where you said like part of this guy's face is still okay. Ra- Raul was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <sighs> but then we go back down to our G man. Um, he says they need to clear Amber so they can remove her from the hospital to another facility. So like discharge her because they got to go. Um, Reggie comes by and says he needs blood alcohol from all the kids in the accident. Cause you know, they were on the way to the prom. They were probably pre-gaming um, and they still have not found Melissa at the scene. <sighs> Isn't it weird how we're almost getting more Reggie this season than we are Jeannie? <laughs> like a little bit. <laughs> Reggie's almost like the Jeannie stand in this season. It's kind of weird. Um, we go from there. Carol brings in the central line kit for, uh, Andrea, the impaled patient. Uh, Benton is working on this one with Carrie. Uh, the meds are making Andrea nauseous, uh, and her CMV is making it worse. Uh, it's a virus that can lodge to the gut and I guess apparently can have some sort of, it can be transmitted to a fetus because Carol is like, immediately freaked out by even just the the mention of that and runs out and just before she runs out this woman again props budget like (laughs) use it or lose it they we get like some full technicolor vomit coming out of this woman's mouth like sprays it everywhere as carol it was almost the the color of your highlights in our notes daniel yeah almost almost it's uh a particularly gross shade of orange if you're keeping score at home let me just paint a word page Patreon.com slash the tone podcast, all $1 a month. People get access to <laughs> yeah, you that can... color of our notes. <laughs> I just, I just got to paint a word picture. Ugh. And, uh, Romano and Corday are examining Shannon's spine. Uh, it's a compression fracture on the first lumbar vertebrae and they can depress, decompress it and hopefully give her full function. But yeah, her back's real fucked up. I only know what all that meant because of my back surgery. Yep. 
Um, but then Lucy has found the parents of Shannon and Travis and has gotten a hold of them, let them know what was going on. Um, Travis's legs are now cyanotic. They're not getting proper oxygenation. So they need to make an incision to reduce the swelling and increases circulation. Um, Mark walks Carter through this because they have to get through the subdermal, like, like, they have to, like, because the skin is so tight from the burns, they have to essentially release the pressure by, like, by, um, filleting this gentleman. (laughs) Uh, and the Foley work on this, again, it sounds like they're cutting into a roasted chicken. Ugh. Ah. And, and Lucy is having to, like, coach him through, like, coach the patient through this. Like, yeah. Because, like, obviously he's not feeling yeah, any Lucy, pain. Lucy is great with him. Yeah. Like, we, we can't state that enough. I haven't given enough Lucy love this episode. She is amazing with this patient. Ugh. Yeah, the Foley work on this is so awful. Oh, my God. And, Lizzie, I'm sorry we're in separate rooms, so you can't put your hand over my mouth and tell me to stop. <sighs> I am, uh, I am all powerful being in a separate room. <laughs> this, how dare um, you be on the? Uh, how dare you be close to the East Coast? This, <laughs> this whole episode state. should just be called like sensory overload. Like it's just, yeah. it's like every bad stimulus you can put into one te- night, nice, uh, tight yep. little forty-five minute package. S- sensory overload. The ride. Um, we find out there is still no word of Melissa, and this this was weird. The theme for the prom was the forties, and Travis was going to wear a zoot suit, but Melissa stopped him because she wanted him to wear a tux. You go, Melissa. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, your prom. Have fun. Not with a zoot suit. There if are boundaries. If it's on theme, if it was just like a normal prom with no theme or whatever, and you. Dude, where I wanted, wanted to wear a zoot suit. That is that is absolutely a decision a seventeen year old boy would make. By the way, that like, is exactly on his own volition. Like he would a hundred percent decide that was a personality quirk that was going to work for him. <laughs> it's it's true, but still no. And, and he totally wouldn't regret it. Looking back at his no. pictures, uh, looking back at those no. pictures, no. Uh, well, it's moving on. We, uh, Jerry grabs Mark because the FBI is here asking about a gunshot victim. Wait a minute. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Uh, the FBI guy, different, says that uh, they didn't bring her in, but he's not surprised who the other two were eager, so eager to get her out of the hospital. And he's like, well, why didn't she? St-? And the, F- the real FBI guy was like, why didn't you stop them and stop them? And Mark was like, they flashed a badge at me just like you did. <laughs> yeah. And then I love his next part. The guy's like, well, how did you how didn't you know it was like, how didn't you know it was a con? Yeah, they were asking a lot of questions and not, and not giving a lot of answers. They were talking like G-men. Turns out if your whole job is secrecy, it's kind of easy to fake it to the layman. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Carrie is chill- is at the admin desk working. Melissa's parents show up because they were told Melissa was brought in. Uh, Carrie directs them over to Reggie because they do, have, do not have Melissa yet. And Reggie confirms that they have not found Melissa yet. Yikes. Fun. Fun. Uh... In happier news, I guess, maybe. Let's let's uh, go to our first audio clip of the episode. Uh, Carol and Carrie are in the lounge. Hey. Are you all right? I'm fine. I'm sorry about before. I'm just, I'm having a, a bad day today. Yeah, I'd say it was a little more than that. Really not in the mood right now, Carrie. Are you pregnant? Who told you? Nobody had to tell me you were upset about the x-ray. You didn't want to expose the fetus to CMB. 
It was instinct, you know? I mean, I don't mind taking on the risks of working in a hospital all myself, but... That's perfectly understandable. How far along are you? Almost 15 weeks. Good. You didn't expose yourself during the first trimester. Feel free to opt out of treating infectious patients or doing anything that doesn't make you feel comfortable, and we'll just deal with the rest as we go along, okay? Okay. Thanks, Carrie. Sure. Say what you will about Carrie Weaver. She is a good person. Yeah, Mama yeah. Carrie coming through. Like, is she perfect? No, no, absolutely not. Nobody is. But, like, when the chips are down most of the time, like, she does the right thing. Like, again, not perfect. Not saying she's never done anything wrong. But it's in moments like these where you realize that, like, she just gets it. Like, she just is a... She does, she d always does what, she tries to do the right thing, I'll say. Like, because there are moments where her her moral compass fails her. And we will obviously get into those when we get there. But more often than not, she's in the right. She's the ER's mom. Yeah, Mama Carrie. Yeah, Mama Carrie. Uh, we go from there up to the surgical floor where Romano and Corday are doing surgery on Shannon. Uh Romano's trying to sell her uh, again on passing on the trauma fellowship and staying uh, on his service and advises her to apply last minute to cardiothoracic. So he's making his own Ooh. exit strategy here in case uh, Peter lets him down. Interesting. Uh, the other boy, the driver, Justin, that was brought in is watching Travis through the window, uh, realizes that he's going to die. Uh, so not great. Uh, and we should point out, too, that of, of everybody, uh, other than obviously Melissa, who we never get to actually see or or presumably is in the worst shape of all of them, um, he's relatively uninjured. Like, he's looks pretty normal. Um, he's talking – Mark is talking over everything with him. Basically, he has a fractured rib, and that's about it. Like, he it says it'll heal on its own in a few weeks, and that's kind of the extent of his injuries. Um, his blood alcohol level was 0. 0.09, so just over that legal limit. Um, so he was drunk. Well, technically, he's 0. 0.09 over the legal limit for a teenager. Well, true, hmm. but but I mean, I mean, yes, you're right. From a legal standpoint, he was drunk no matter what. He was he shouldn't have had any alcohol in his system. But like, it was also not like he was shit faced either. Like he was he was a little drunk. Um, Right at this moment, his parents arrive and uh, run up, uh, and he explains that uh, he says he was changing a CD when he totaled the car, which things that happened in 1999, but not in 2021. I guess there's still people with CD players in their car yeah. and, and still changing CD them. players are still in cars, I think. I just so, haven't. Think... Like, we have a CD player in our car. It's a 2016, and I've literally never used it once, like, ever. I have only I definitely ever... got into some car. I definitely not, almost got into some car accidents trying to change the cd and not in my the car we had last but the one before that for oh sure. yeah the mitsubishi oh absolutely yeah the mitsubishi died. yeah <laughs> uh but in, in any event our uh driver here justin is played by actor nathan west who appeared in stuff like bring it on miracle and not another teen movie which just turned 20 years old recently uh Jesus. thanks 302010 uh america's ass we go from there to uh carter giving Carrie updates on Travis's status, uh, which, spoilers, not great. Uh, I think his pulse ox is dropping. Uh, it's all bad news for Travis. Uh, as we know from the Raul situation, th this is not the kind of injury you recover from. 
this is it's just a matter of time it's a matter of when he's going to die uh versus if uh, we find out that the parents are on the road uh, on their way there, uh, but they have not been able to get a hold of them yet. And uh, Carol is checking in on Andrea. They are able to fix everything. No problem whatsoever. Uh, I think we failed to mention uh, Andrea has her child with her. I no, we uh, yeah, we mentioned it. We it's just it's literally like he factors into the story zero uh like they they show him being taken off of the helicopter. They have this one little line here where they say that he's being taken. Uh, watched by dcfs until she's uh recovered and my dude is not even in the credits for this episode <laughs> like the the <laughs> child actor got zero credit for this episode so like he matters not one iota to this story so it's easy for one in one year out the other yeah. for the, uh, but carol tries to explain why she ran out of the room downstairs and andrea's alarm goes off for her meds which are at home of course and she says that she's done with them you know, she says she said she's she can't function on them. She says it's not worth it. I can't function, and she also says it's more important that we have that he, that Bruce have a well mother now than a sick one for longer, which totally, totally, totally understand. Yeah, like I would much rather I personally and what I'd rather see I'd rather have less time with someone I love, but have them as close to 100% as possible than then have them at like 50% for twice as long. Yeah. At the risk of it becoming like kind of a, a one note thing or going to the well one too many times, why is this not a genie storyline? Like Yeah. Th- th- this feels like a mismatch having Carol with this patient. Like I agreed. I didn't f- have them both on it. Yeah, I I felt nothing with I I did not feel any sort of emotional connection between Carol and this patient. Other than the fact that she has this contagious virus that could potentially harm uh, Carol's unborn child, there's really nothing connecting them together. And I was just like, I don't know. The, the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, I wish this was GD instead because this is not really doing it for me. But uh, we go from there to um, the meeting about the trauma fellowship and Spock, Carrie, uh, Mark, and Romano. Uh, all have cards on the table. Got to give their final final votes for who they want to to take the uh, trauma fellowship. Carrie votes for Benton. Mark, of course, votes for Lizzie, and Romano votes for some unseen guy from Georgetown, some other unseen candidate. Uh, and after some brief discussion, uh, Anspa overrides them all, lays down the final vote, and picks Benton. Uh, so Peter is going to be our new trauma fellow going forward. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Hey. Um, then we have Lucy checking in on Travis, and she asks Lydia to please go get Carter. Um, Lucy very kindly explains the intubation process to Travis because his pulse ox is getting low. They're going to have to intubate him so he can continue to you know live until his parents get there. Um, his parents are on the way in, and she offers to put them on the phone before they intubate so he can potentially say his last words to them. Um... And this side of his face that we see here for this shot looks so much worse than what we saw earlier in, like when it's in close-up. And this actor absolutely nails it. Oh, yeah. Just the, this the, phone call. He absolutely kills it. The pan- I teared up. Yeah. yeah. The, the panting, crying, and the... Yeah. Ugh. Just brutal, but but really... I mean, this is probably probably my scene of the episode here. 
Like it's probably the the high point of the entire thing. And then we go over to our next audio clip. Uh, Mark is going in and talk to Lizzie about the fellowship. Hey. It's not a very encouraging entrance. I'm sorry. You didn't get the trauma fellowship. Is it Peter? Yeah. Oh, that's that then. I was looking forward to working with you. Yeah, same here. So now what? Well, I guess I'm left to ferret around picking up scraps wherever I can find them. Doesn't mean Peter was a better candidate. Oh, I know. How much more time do you have on your internship? Three weeks. No. You have your license, you can do anything you want. Except the trauma fellowship. Just about anything. How did the voting go? I think you know. Yeah, Romano didn't want either of us, and Spa was keen on Benton. Don't tell me you were. No, I wanted you. But I'm not really objective. Really? You know what you need? What? Milkshake. Time to get off. <laughs> Midnight. Okay, I'll find you. <laughs> Is this more of your bad day therapy? It's free of charge. I'm sorry. He wants to bone her. <laughs> he wants to bone her. Which you can't I can't blame him. You She's make a beautiful it, woman. You make it so romantic. I know. Yeah. They're they're laying the romance on thick over here and, and Lizzie's just like <laughs> sex. <laughs> he has such a crush on her and he sees she's going through a bad time and Lizzie's just over here like <laughs> bone. Right. <laughs> it is. No, as I said uh, as I said what was it last episode or two episodes ago whenever they started pairing these two up, you know, I, I I'm I'm here for the early build, you know, like they're doing mm-hmm. it as a slow burn, like it's it's working for me. I'm picking up what they're putting down. Yeah. And and I'm just I'm trying to stay in the moment and it's as right now, I'm I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm excited that we're here. I'm excited that I'm fin- my my favorite ship on the show is finally sailing. So <laughs> like I'm just I'm all for out. this. Let I'm just out, I'm Lizzie. I'm just I'm giddy about it. Who, this is more than anything. You know, this is what our podcast is for, right? Let it out. I know, I know. Who knows? Maybe by the time this episode airs, we'll even have stickers celebrating said ship. I don't know. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Maybe I'm maybe, maybe I'm revealing something on mic to my two co-hosts that they don't even know about. So Daniel, wait, what? You 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 told me about this. I saw the design. You posted it in the Discord. Yeah, but I didn't tell you that I made stickers out of it. I the minute you sent me the image, I was like, he's ordering <laughs> stickers. There was no. She's. You said, hey, you want to see what some potential new stickers uh, are? And you sent me the image, and I was like, he's already ordered 150. Oh, I'm. I'm oh no, they're on to me. No, no, Lizzie, he sent I'm, this in our group, in our normal group chat too. When uh, he sent I don't the, remember the Green it. Day image, and he was. Like, oh yeah. And he that was, was like, really here. Cool. <laughs> this so. might be stickers, and I'm like, he's already ordered a case. <laughs> Ah, uh, they'll be delivered on December 27th. Uh, so, speaking, uh, sorry. Speaking of stickers, I am talking to friend of the show, Angela, about uh, Benton Ducky Backpack. 
with Jerry. We need a we need a yes. variant. We need a team Jerry variant. Yeah. I will see if she has any any good ideas for that um for that one. So uh so we go from there back down to the uh the desk where uh Chuni is talking with a girl that Carter takes a double look at as he's walking by, a friend from Neuro. Hmm. Uh, we're led to believe that this is the uh, girl that Carter was trying to be set up with earlier in the episode and he was resisting. Uh, but maybe now he's having second thoughts. Uh, Carol is then seen trying to leave when we find out that Doug is on the phone. <sighs> what? Uh, she says that she will take the call in the lounge. More to come. Uh, but for now, God damn it, Carter. God, f- I know we've said that several times before, but God fucking damn it, Carter. This might be my least favorite thing that Carter does. My least favorite thing that is on this show that Carter does. It's top, it, it's bottom five or top five worst things that he does. This is, this is peak dumbass self-righteous Carter. Yeah. Yeah. So let's listen in while, while Carter is badgering Lucy about why she's taking me- medications. Do I have to? Yes. Hey, tuning. What? Is that same friend that you were talking about? You're too late, Doc Carter. What, there was a time limit? I don't think you were that shallow. No, I'm just reconsidering your proposal. You snooze, you lose. Snooze, you lose. What are we, 10th grade? I set her up with an orthopedics intern. An intern? Tell you what, if you're nice, I'll try to get her to reconsider. Adios. Lucy, the pharmacy called your prescriptions ready. Thanks. You sick? No. What is it then? Nothing. Why are you on medication? Why are you so nosy? Who prescribed it? It's none of your business. Oh. Yeah, this morning I saw you were exhausted. Then you popped some pill and suddenly you were fine. Now you're dragging again. Not on speed if that's what you're asking, Carter. So what is it? Hmm? What is it? Ritalin. Okay, I'm on Ritalin. Ritalin? Since when? Fifth grade. What? Yeah, my doctor tried to get me off it in high school and my grades dropped, so I went back on. And you've been on it ever since? Well, there's never really been a good time to stop. Now, now would be a good time to stop. I'm not an addict, Carter. Lucy, you shouldn't still be taking it. It's a stimulant. I don't take it to get high. I take it to function. You got ADD? And it's never really been a problem until I started working so many nights. Ritalin is for hyperactive children. You're 24. And my doctor still prescribes it, so I'm not doing anything wrong. You're just going to keep taking it forever? I'll stop taking it when things are less hectic. Got news for you. Things are never less hectic. I'll think about it, all right? But this really is my business, Carter. And I hope you'll respect that. Carter, you're a doctor. You should know people with ADD and ADHD have their brains wired differently where the medication is not a stimulant for them. It allows them to act like normal, quote, normal people. Shut the fuck up, Carter. Yeah, this is bizarre. This is a bizarre bit of uh, character work from him. Like like you said, there's there's almost willful ignorance that has to be applied in order for him to Mm -hmm. not understand why she needs this medication and, and to give her such a hard time. Uh, Did I miss a memo or something? Like when was the, when was the great like fucking social stigma around Ritalin? Who gives a shit? It's Ritalin. Like it, it, it helps ADD people function. And it's, it's because it's because some college and high school students were abusing it for actual like shit. Until they, like, yeah, Adderall's yeah. a widely abused. Yeah. I was gonna say, until drug, they found Adderall. But, yeah. But, but yeah, just, just God, Carter, Carter, I love you. Carter, I love you. But we need to sit down and have a chat about ableism in the medical right? in the medical field. Don't and have how ADD. you are directly contributing to it. Don't have ADD, just focus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh this is weird. 
Yeah, he essentially says, just try harder. He says, don't be on meds, just try harder. Don't be on, let's just buy a house. Don't be sad, just do some yoga. Carter, yeah. my dude, what are you doing? The SDT gang is... screams about ableism into the void for 30 minutes. Just, it makes my brain hurt just how wrong everything he's saying is. Just, right? I mean, like, and the whole, like, oh, you're it's for children, you're 24. And I'm like, last time I checked, your brain's not fully developed until at least 25. Like, so... And plenty of adults take medication right? for ADHD. We're trying some. We're trying some on me. Not the non-stimulant as, variety, but like, as someone who's married to a raging ADHD case, uh, trust me, you do not want her not taking her meds. <laughs> like, <laughs> I bet. Like, I would much rather have her able to function and do normal things instead of you know, not. That would that would always be my preferred option. <sighs> Are we ready for some uh, some more rage? Uh, sure. Different flavor. All right, let's let's go into our next audio clip. Uh, for yeah, a different flavor of rage, the surgical flavor of rage. Uh, Benton's practicing signing in the surgical lounge when Corday comes in. Hey. Hey. I suppose congratulations are in order. Look, Elizabeth, you don't have to say that. Peter, I'm just trying to be gracious. Thank you. Peter? Elizabeth, would you excuse us, please? Certainly. Thank you. You do lack some qualities, Peter, but I always considered you a man of your word. I never said I'd take it. You said you wanted cardiothoracic. No, I said I was interested. You missed your calling, Peter. You should have been a lawyer. I couldn't count on it. I told you that I would be pushing for you. I have been. Thank you, but I'm taking the trauma fellowship, okay? Fine. Whatever, Peter. I'm done looking out for you. You want to throw your life down the toilet. That's your prerogative. Yeah, it is. Just don't come crying to me when you realize what a mistake you've made. Were you serious? What? The offer you made today. Were you serious? How dare Benton take a job that is going to be easy, make it easier for him to be with his kid, his disabled child? How dare he? Romano's voice is like trembling at one point. Like he's like about to cry. <laughs> like, right? It's yeah, it is sort of strange how how hot they have turned up the temperature on this of like he not only does he really want him to be but like he has to have him be in this cardiothoracic fellowship. It's How dare Benton be a good father? Very, very weird. Just, oh my god. Everyone is being such pricks this episode. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. Like, I can't wait to get to the, the end of the, the episode wrap-up, because uh, I got feelings about this episode. Oh, I'm just going to let you go off, and then I'll probably be like, yeah, I agree with everything Daniel says. Because <laughs> usually when that happens is correct but lauren what happens next uh randy gives mark a letter from a weird guy that came in today and it's an envelope full of two grand uh mark has her call the fbi to give them the cash so they can use it in whatever investigation is going on with this weird um imposter fbi situation that happened earlier 
And that's the last we hear about that. Yep. And as far as I know, that is the last we will hear about it. It does not seem to be something that comes up again. So glad we took that detour. Uh, uh, just as we're wrapping up with that, the Mitchell parents show up. Uh, Mark gives them the update on how Shannon and Travis are doing, has to give them the uh, unfortunate news regarding Travis, especially, who I believe he quotes his survival rate is less than 20%, uh, which even that seems a little high. Uh, right as this uh, news gets delivered, of course, the Macarena monkey goes off again. Uh, and Carter does the one solid thing he's done this entire episode, which is uh, grab the monkey, rip the batteries out of it, and throw it into the trash uh, where it belongs. It's a good call. Uh, and uh, the father here, Mr. Mitchell, is uh, a little bit of an oh, hey, it's that guy. He's play, uh, played by actor Dan Ziski and appeared in stuff like Adventures in Babysitting, Eight Below, and War of the Worlds. Uh, and then we go from there up to Corday checking up on Shannon after her surgery uh, goes to test her level of sensation in her leg. Uh, and she has one of those like sort of like it's sort of like a pizza cutter thing. It's like a pizza cutter with a spur instead of a instead of a blade. And I think that's to test the reflex. Yeah. Test it's to, I think it's to test your stimulus. Yeah. Your sensation or sensation. Yeah. yeah. So she starts rolling it up her leg and uh, does not react until it reaches just above her, or just below her um, outer thigh, like hip area. So pretty far up the leg. And she started all the way down at her foot. Um, and then Lizzie goes to have her wiggle her big toe, which if you'll recall from earlier in the episode, she was able to do prior to the surgery. Um, and now she is unable. Uh, and then uh, when Shannon is rightfully concerned about this, uh, Lizzie reassures her, says, you know, we, we're not, we have just have to wait and see. the The swelling has to come down first. Uh, and as far as I know, too, this is where we leave this. Like, we're never gonna get any update on whether or not Shannon makes a recovery or not. Um, yeah, rough story. Okay, then, uh, and let's round out the episode with an audio clip. Uh, Lily tells Mark not to go into the lounge because Doug called, and they're giving Carol some space. So, what does Mark do? Of course, he goes into the lounge. Carol. Go away, Mark. Did you tell him? He's not coming. Did you ask him not to come? Yeah. I was very strong and clear. So he's respecting your wishes? <laughs> That would be a first time, wouldn't it? You wanted him to come. No. I've had hundreds of conversations with him in my head, you know? What I would say, what I would do if he showed up. I wouldn't let him charm his way back in. Not now. Not because of the baby. I would never feel secure knowing that that's why he came back. Maybe he feels the same way.
I've got to go home. Uh, you know what you need? What? What? You need a milkshake. Elizabeth and I are going to go get a milkshake. Why don't you come? No. I'm tired and I'm going to go home. No, no. Just, just one, one little milkshake. Okay. It was a date, wasn't it? No, it wasn't a, it wasn't a date. I, it, um, we were just going to drown our sorrows in ice cream. Come on. I don't want to be a third wheel, Mark. How many times have I been a third wheel? That's true. You, you do owe me. That's the spirit. Are you paying? Of course I'm paying. Because I'm meeting for two, you know. That's how the Simpsons season finale ends. Everyone going out for frosty chocolate milkshakes. Uh, it's a very sweet little little ending to that moment there with them, like the her, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. eating for two, and like the, the little music cue twinkling in there. Like it's a it... only two. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> well, more to come on that, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's a it's a solid little moment to end on here. It's just this episode just doesn't do it for me, if I'm being honest. Like. It's very like it's kind of a letdown after the last we, we've been on a little bit of a hot streak post Doug. And this is the first one that I've really felt like kind of overly underwhelmed by like every episode almost uh, with few exceptions has something that you can nitpick and something that you can say like, oh, I wish they'd have done this differently with this episode. It's like it, it'd be a shorter list to go over what does work, you know, like. Like Carrie, I think works in her limited appearances in this episode. Lucy, uh, Lucy, I feel like is kind of low key MVP of this episode. Um, she has really strong work sticking up for herself. Yeah, yeah, really strong work with that uh, burn patient, and then really strong uh, work standing up to Carter with the Ritalin thing, which does sort of kind of come out of nowhere as like a they they drop a like they kind of make it a thing in the last like third of the episode when. Yeah, they dropped hints all along that she was kind of tired and was maybe taking some medication, but like then it turns into this whole like thing TM in the last third of the episode, and it'll be a whole multi-episode thing right. TM. And so it's just like, like like you said a little bit earlier, Lizzie, like nobody in this episode is behaving the way we would expect them to. Romano's really shitty in this episode, like in a different way than he's normally shitty. Like he's a different kind of shitty that's unpleasant. Benton is, you know, kind of uh, Carol. I really don't like Carol this episode. <laughs> like, this is a bad Carol episode. And, you know, I always rant and rave about how, like, I don't like it when female characters get unfairly hitched to a male character. And then if that male character, you know, it's the Elizabeth Corday syndrome. Like, I don't like it when their male counterpart goes away. And they then lose all semblance of character. And I felt like that was something that wasn't super guilty of with Carol. But again, so much of her remainder of her time on the show revolves around the pregnancy. So it's kind of hard not to uh, still associate her heavily with Doug. But this is, and this this whole is epi- bad. So, yeah. This whole episode is well, 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 if, isn't a, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. Like, yeah. she, she fucked around and found out, not necessarily being the pregnant part, but with the whole, like... Well, I'm going to tell him not to come. Oh, God, he's not coming. Like, yeah, like if I'm being honest, uh, like now that I look back on, you know, because 
we, we are now what? I mean, I, I guess 16 doesn't really count because that was a, a bottle episode for Benton. But we've 17, 18, 19, 20, and 20. So we're five episodes, five real episodes post-Doug at this point. Uh, and if I'm being honest, like, Carol doesn't fit in this show anymore. Like, she is a... a, a total like sore thumb here like she just sticks out completely to where it's like she's this like vestigial organ that like we don't really need anymore and I hate that because I hate when characters lose their purpose when their romantic interest goes away but it is it's really hard to ignore here that just like she just seems lost like she just seems like she's just out there in space and you know the pregnancy thing obviously will take a, a bigger uh focus in the first half of season six and so obviously there's 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 chance there's a chance for them to pull up the nose on this but in this weird little like middle earth thing that we're doing between doug leaving and season six she does feel like a square peg in a round hole and i don't know how to fix it i mean they will fix it because i appreciate what she's what she does in season six but yeah. me personally but I don't know. Yeah, the, and we'll, then the, we'll get there in a couple the, weeks. The FBI thing, to, to, the the cherry on top of the shit Sunday that is this episode for me is that the FBI thing just does not work for me on any level. If if any, and I'm not, I'm definitely 100 not against comedy storylines. I'm not against Mark doing comedy storylines because as we've seen in previous episodes, Mark is an A plus. Uh, Anthony Edwards is an A plus comedic actor when he wants to be. Um, and I think my issue with this particular storyline is that they didn't go far enough. They didn't get weird enough with it and they didn't like commit to the bit like that. That's kind of one of the things like uh, an episode that that um, that stands out to me or is fresh in my mind because I just went through all the season two stuff is Carol with the worms in season two, which is an, an objectively silly storyline that involves a full fledged trauma scene in order to resuscitate the worms. And they that's a perfect example <laughs> of them committing to the bit and making what is objectively a very silly idea work perfectly well and not feel out of place. This needed that. Like, this needed some kind of level of, of authenticity and just them going full bore into the idea. And it just didn't ever reach that next gear for me. It just was this surface-level thing of, like, wouldn't it be wacky if some FBI agent showed up and then it turned out it was a fraud? Eh, okay. Like, it's a, it's I, a seven. I think I'd go lower. I'd go five or six. Like, it's... Okay, I I didn't find it as offensive as some of the ones that I've really disdained that everybody else loves. So it was average. It got the job done. Nothing super yeah. offensive. It just has me, like that so. that like what we've learned about you know that that lull episode of like you know it's the end of the season. Everybody's tired. Budgets are running out. Like everybody's just ready to get to the end of the episode or end of the season. Writer's room is done. They see. Yeah, the like it just has that written all over it for me. And senior you know, we'll writers see. of season five. Yeah, we'll we'll see how they land the plane next uh, next week for the season five finale. Yeah. I've been, I I don't oh remember God. off the top of my head how this ends. I know from uh, conversations I've had with our buddy Aaron, who is has a much more like photographic memory of these things than I do. I have to go back <laughs> and like actually rewatch again to refresh my memory. He can just pull that shit up easily. Um, don't don't tell me what next week is. I don't. Well, no, know he he hasn't told me specifics, or we haven't gotten into specifics. But he has just told me that he finds season five's uh, finale to be one of the like lower tier ones, like yeah. not as good as some other seasons. So we'll see. I don't remember. But I agree with Daniel. It's a lower tier. 
lower tier. It's senior as the episode. That's that's what I'm gonna call it. A little, Old yeah. List. That's kind of what it is actually. Let's just like throw all of our shit at the wall because it's the end of the season and we're bored and we don't want to do it anymore and like we're ready to go on summer vacation. Yeah, uh, Lauren, what do the listeners have to say about it? First off, we have friend of the show Angela G, who I am texting right now about stickers, says, Anytime the docs slash nurses are in athletic clothes, it's the funniest thing to me. Think of Carol that time she was rollerblading. Unrelated to the episode, but I felt it needed to be said. LOL. Um, again, I am so sorry. I still cannot pronounce your name. Please, when you hear these episodes, you can yell at me in our messages and tell me pr- correct pronunciation. Um, what did we say last week? Juve. Yep. Can someone please tell John Carter to shut the hell up? We all agree with you. And please correct me on your name. Oh my God. I suck. Um, At Basic Mall on Twitter says, just bless Lucy. Carter's a dick for trying to force her off the medicine. Like, no, don't do that. The whole Macarena monkey was cute at first, but got annoying real fast. It's a pretty good episode. The whole FBI thing, though, is really strange and I never understand it. The whole story with the car crash going to the prom just scares me. I worry that will happen to me or someone I know once prom comes around. Um, At That Baker Gal says, I found this episode strange but good. The shifts in tone from the FBI thing to the prom car crash. It just doesn't feel like it should be in the same episode. Agreed. Um, At SMB for the win says, I am once again asking you to consider that Green Day should not happen. For real this time. There will be several tweets. Mark has been flirting with Elizabeth for a few episodes now, even spending a seemingly fair amount of time outside of work with her. He is an attending in the department Lizzie wants to work in, and he is on the committee to vote on the fellowship. Mark Green can no longer be impartial. He even goes so far as to say to her, I wanted you, but I'm not really objective. That comment was completely inappropriate considering they are an intern and an attending who are actively flirting with each other. Yet no one claps back at him. Romano did the same thing and we all knew it was wrong. But no, not our precious Marky Warky. I love you all as as always and will end with a poll on who is better for the wonderful Elizabeth Corday. A. Carrie Weaver. B. Benton. C. Dale. D. Romano. E, everyone other than Mark Green. F, me. G, all of the above. Thank you for subscribing to my TED Talk. I'm going to challenge you on one thing there. Yes, she is technically an intern, but with Mark, there is no power dynamic there. Mark does not treat her like an intern. But he can vote on her getting the fellowship. The reason... Romano was an issue isn't because he treats her like an intern or doesn't treat her like an intern it was because he had power over her fellowship here it's Mark could theoretically have power over negotiating for her to be uh, be chosen by the committee I don't buy I'm it. just excited I'm just I'm I'm just excited to see if SMB for the win can keep this up episode after yes, episode. Yes, I'm, I'm really enjoying all this the way through this. season ten when Corday yeah. leaves us. Like I want her to, I want her to keep up this level of intensity the whole rest of the way. But Lizzie, we love you and we're glad you're happy. But she does raise some good. Points. I'm not saying I'm not saying she doesn't. I'm just saying I don't buy it. She she also included. I didn't put it in here because it. I think Google Docs might have screamed and killed itself if I did because it doesn't play nice. <laughs> with gifs but she did include an excellent gif of a blooper reel of uh, a take from i can't remember if it's from this episode or a later episode but it's uh corday and weaver kissing at the admit desk and it is hilarious i have seen that one 
and it's amazing. Yeah, it's a it's from one because of the, I ship it's, it. It's from one of the blooper reels, and it's it's just Mark grinning like an idiot at the camera with a thumbs up while Carrie and Elizabeth are kissing. It's great. It has to be seen to be believed. It's on our Twitter. Go it, is it on the Twitter uh, response thread? Because I'm going to find it yes. and send it to Lizzie right now. It is. Okay. Okay. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever is going on for us in our lives at the moment, Movie Reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and Flash Forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me retweeting gifts of Carrie and Elizabeth kissing until the cows come home on my personal <laughs> Twitter at lowbob92345. Holy shit, that's an excellent kiss. And you can find me liking those posts on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer. That's G-A-M-3-R. Uh, as well as on the Popular Court YouTube channel. Still doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. That game is fucking huge. Uh, new episodes of that are out every Friday. And you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time for the Season 5 finale. And what? have a great week and a happy new year. Bye.